welcome back to episode five of the Sources Say podcast, a brand new addition to the growing KSR podcast network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and I am happy to be joined once again by two of the best up-and-coming recruiting insiders in the game, Jake Weingarten of StockRisers.com and Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Still still my favorite time of the year, oh, so I'm still, doing great. How are you, Travis? A uh, rough weekend on the Kentucky football side of things. Great weekend on the Kentucky basketball side of things. So. Man, I, I know. I, I, I wish we didn't bring up the Kentucky football loss because that was that was a tough one. Uh, but, yes, very big news this weekend um, with with a big commitment f- on two different fronts. Um, but um, before we jump into all of that, I just wanted to say that, um, as we mentioned last week, we are on our very own podcast feed. So all you have to do is search for the Sources Say podcast or Sources Say on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the other major podcast apps. Click that subscribe button and then please give us a five-star review. We would definitely appreciate it. Um, as you mentioned, last week served as a decision primer of sorts uh, for both Lance Ware and Terrence Clark, who both had announced scheduled for late in the week with Ware committing on Thursday and then Clark following it up with a commitment on Saturday uh, and as we discussed in depth um, last week you know there, there really wasn't any surprise at all when both officially became Kentucky Wildcats um, we talked about both of their games in, in depth and, and who they are as players what their commitments would mean to Kentucky uh, so we're not going to necessarily spend 30 minutes dissecting them both and, and what their commitments mean for Kentucky but just kind of as a, a f- quick refresher uh, Lance Ware six foot nine 215 pound power forward out of Camden New Jersey chose Kentucky over offers from Michigan Ohio State and Miami Providence among others uh, cons- consensus top t- top 45 four-star prospect jump onto the national s- recruiting scene this summer during the Nike EYBL events and Peach Jam ranked as high as number 31 on Rivals and then as low as 42 on ESPN um, and then 24/7 Sports has him as a composite has him as with a composite ranking of number 32. He averaged 10.2 points, 5.8 rebounds, and a block per game during the EYBL regular season, upped it to 14.4 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks during Peach Jam. Um, we kind of mentioned last week that there was a sense of urgency on Kentucky's end to secure a commitment um, and just kind of get that front court going, kind of have him be the foundational piece of it. Um, I genuinely believe that a commitment happened on Monday when the uh, Kentucky coaching staff visited him up in New Jersey to open the fall recruiting period. I mean, there just really was no suspense at all to this commitment. Um, you know, just as a quick refresher, what do you guys like about this commitment and uh, just his game as a whole? I definitely think he's a good second or third big in this class. Um, he's rising fast in the rankings. You see the skill set. You just got to add some weight, and then you're looking at a five-star prospect probably the last recruiting cycle. I agree. I like his motor and intensity, and I, I think he at the end of the year, I think he'll be a five-star prospect, and maybe I'm not going to say one and done, but I think he'll be a two-year player. Yeah, I think just because of his four-star status, people kind of assume him to be the next Tyler Hero or Shea Gilgis-Alexander in terms of being a, an underrated four-star going into his his college career and then upping that once he finally gets to Kentucky and then overplaying his stock and, and, and ultimately becoming a one-and-done and, and being a lottery pick at the next level. Um, I, 
I think there is a chance he could be a one done. I think he is a, a one of the fastest rising prospects in the nation. Uh, really, really put on a show at Peach Jam alongside Jonathan Kaminga with so many eyes watching him. I mean, he had, he had a lot of analysts watching his game, and, and um, you know they they've bumped his his ranking a little bit. And I I genuinely do think I looked into his his high school at, at uh, Camden High School. His team they're losing their top scorer, who was a senior this past year. And there was a, another sophomore guard that they have that uh, Lance Ware and, and this other soft. I guess he's going to be a junior this year. They're kind of expected to be the big one-two punch this this coming year. But the ball is going to be in his hands a whole lot. He's going to be able to put up a ton of points, grab a ton of rebounds, block shots, uh, be a really really big difference maker up in the Northeast, and and potentially uh, make a, a big run at the state title in New Jersey. So yeah, there's there's a big chance that he can potentially be a five-star recruit whenever it's all said and done. If he does stay on the four-star level, would he be the first Cal Perry recruit four-star one and done as a big man? I believe so. I I, I, I think he definitely has the potential. I mean, I, he's going to be borderline. He's already borderline five-star, but I don't think Cal has had a one and done four-star big. Yeah, I think the only ones that I can think of are, are Shea and Tyler. and um, Booker was a four-star on one Booker service. Booker was, but, yeah, it's, in terms of big man, yeah, that, that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, massive commitment to get to get that piece locked up in the front court this early. Um, really, really big, especially after missing out on all their their top big men targets last year. The only the only front court signing they had was was Nate Sestina, who I think he's going to be an awesome player this year. But to get to get a guy that they really, really wanted this early, it, it's it's pretty massive. Um, moving on to Terrence Clark, same situation, very little suspense leading up to his commitment. Um, but that being said, there was a quote from his AAU coach that came out the day before his annou- announcement on Friday afternoon, uh, and it definitely riled Kentucky fans up a little bit and kind of just kind of stirred the pot with, with a whole bunch of, of fans all across the country. Um, the quote was, I think, I think it was a Boston Globe article, but the quote was, when we started this, one of the things he wanted to do, he being he, Terrence Clark, I, and I, I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here. He's a big Duke fan. Duke was his school. He loved Duke and wanted to be a McDonald's All-American. He has uh, a great chance of making the McDonald's All-American game. Duke has recruited him and have off, they have offered him and to have them on, the, on his list. I'm just happy for him and his family. Basically, you know, we all kind of thought it was a smokescreen, but – for a school that never even had a confirmed offer for this kid, um, you could tell that they were definitely trying to hype him up a little bit. But it's not so much that quote that kind of um, you know riled me up at least, but it was kind of the the fan reaction from Duke side of things afterward that kind of got got me a little frustrated. Um, I put I, I put that quote on Twitter as kind of a hmm that's interesting you know just I mean I even added it'd be a massive shock if it's anybody but Kentucky and almost immediately afterward there were Duke fans just flocking to this quote you know basically you know the fans themselves saying oh can, Coach K is going to steal another one from Coach Cal and the Blue Devils are going to have the number one recruiting class again ha 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 you know hilarious uh, and then on the flip side there were a couple. Duke beat writers that came out in outlets. I believe one of them was Devil's Den or whatever it was. Uh, they came out and said uh, it'd be tough, pretty tough to commit to a school that he doesn't even hold an offer from. You know, kind of like, yes, he is a top five recruit, and and as great as he is, he Holier didn't he, than now, he, Duke. he didn't he didn't earn a a prestigious scholarship from the Duke University. It just the the 
the audacity the the uh, <laughs> the, the, spe- the spectrum of of both ends just just how how much they were willing to throw a jab at coach Cal for ha ah, coach K's coach K is going to steal another one and then the beat writer saying oh he couldn't even earn a, a prestigious offer from from Duke even though they're going after Jeremy Roach who's a top 20 kid who they have him committed Walker Kessler is not even you know he's a top 25 center and top 25 player in the country you know a big man it's not like they are only going after top top 10 kids and, and only securing commitments from them so if Terrence Clark went up to coach K and said hey man I'm going to commit right now. Let's do it. Stop it. You're telling me mm-hmm. that Coach K would turn him down. Same same narrative happened with B.J. Boston whenever he was ready to commit to Kentucky, um, how they instantly – Duke fans kind of came out and said, oh, well, that's because Coach K backed off of him, and, he, and we could have had him if we really wanted him. Stop it. This is – these were two – you know, first one being B.J. Boston, but this this – commitment in particular with Terrence Clark massive massive get for Kentucky he's going to be a star uh we talked about him last week six foot seven kid um 180 pounds freak athlete long wingspan average 17 points six rebounds 4.3 assists per context uh, per contest uh at, at the e- Nike EYBL regular season 1.1 steals per game shot ref- roughly 34 percent from three uh he's he, I mean, he's going to be a big time player Massive, massive get for Kentucky. Um, was there ever a time that you guys didn't think he was going to commit to Kentucky, especially these last couple weeks? I think that the uh, that the coach smokescreen served its purpose. It got all it got more fan bases than just Kentucky's tuned in because that's what would have happened if it, if he never put that out. And then also, I I think that's kind of comparable to Trey Lyles' camp did the same thing. They put out some last-minute UVL smoke screens whenever it was a UK. He was a UK log for a couple weeks prior. Um, there were there was a time maybe like three or four weeks ago where there was a lot of Memphis talk, mm-hmm. and he loved his relationship with Mike Miller, and he said he had to go on a visit there, and that was at one point where people thought he would probably end up in Memphis. After that, he was interviewed. I forgot by who, might have been rivals. Not sure. And he just completely pointed out Memphis and his relationship with Mike Miller. So, well, didn't he uh, shoot like pretty much say thanks but no thanks to the Penny in home? Oh yeah, well, this is what this was like three weeks ago. Yeah. He was just talking about yeah, this Memphis, la- and this, Memphis, this, and Memphis. Yeah, this last week Penny had a vi- had a visit scheduled f- to Boston to kind of go in with a last ditch effort. Kind of said, hey, let's make you the star of this star of this show. We're still going after Jalen Green. You guys can team up there. Blah blah blah. And and there was definitely a thanks but no thanks. We're this decision's done. If, so if that visit went through, I think UK fans would have been a lot more worried. I yeah, per, me personally, like. The, I'm not gonna lie. Late Saturday afternoon, as much as I, as much as I said that there wasn't much suspense, just having that in the back of my mind was like, man, what if this, you know, what if it was the whole smoke screen? What if the Kentucky talk was all the smoke screen for all these for all these couple weeks? But it ended up just following following through exactly the way it it was planned on. Um, no hesitation. He said that he had he had um, he had been a locked in Kentucky Kentucky target. Or, not commitment, but that he he had been pretty much set on Kentucky for a while there. Um, really, really no hesitation, no no suspense there um, on his side of things at least. Um, but one thing that was really interesting about his commitment was the fact that 
he, you know, after originally telling people that he was going to wait till the spring to make a reclassification decision, he jumped out on Saturday and said that he was going to be officially reclassifying to 2020. Um, I kind of mentioned last week that there was a there there was a little bit of buzz that he was ready to that he had found that avenue of, of reclassification that he was just going to say screw it I know I'm going to be able to get this done um, and that he was going to do it. But even still, I mean, when you say I'm waiting on my ACT, SAT, and you know just some of the other just the, the Those other are grades the easy get, parts. Yeah, but on, on his end, he had already said he was going to at least double check that wait, wait that out, and and even even if he was set on reclassifying, I still had the sense that he was going to wait till the last second, just in case, until you know where where he crossed all of his T's, dotted his dotted his eyes, and and was one hundred percent certain before. But he was confident enough to do it on Saturday, um, which is pretty telling about you know. Travis, you were the first one to mention that you had heard from from somebody close to you that said that this reclassification process wasn't as hard as, as people make it out to be, and that obviously ended up being true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that that's pretty massive, pretty massive news on his end. He said that he um he only has a couple more classes to do. Maybe he has to do some online work on top of just making sure his SAT and ACT scores are looking good. So really nothing to worry about there. Um, locked and loaded for the class of 2020. Massive get to to be the headliner of this class um, at least for now. Um, what do you what do you guys think of his decision to reclassify this early and um, just kind of locking in his spot at, at Kentucky? I think he definitely uh, – I think the coaches definitely pushed for it. Um, I think they they didn't want to be strung along in recruitments like they have been the past couple of years. I think they wanted to get a surefire top five prospect. And you see what's happening with Jalen Green. We'll get into that later. Um, I think there was – I think there was definitely some buzz early on with Jalen, but then they got – that kind of waned away. And then – what, what's your opinion on it, Jake? I think he got it out of the way to avoid any other conflict. I mean, whether that's with another recruit or what's going to happen throughout the season or the way he's recruited. Obviously, he's telling coaches behind the scenes what he's going to do, but obviously some of that needs to be public that he's that he's reclassified because how does his impact other recruits and their decision? Let's say Jalen Green did keep Kentucky in his final list. We'll get to that later. What if Terrence never announced he's going 2020? How would that impact Jalen or Josh? Yeah, it just makes it makes life so much easier for Kentucky moving forward. They have both Terrence Clark and BJ Boston, and now they can say, okay, if you if we want to go small ball, all we need is two more two more guards in this class, or you know, one more wing, one more true point guard. However, however they want to do it, or if they want you know BJ to be a true three, Terrence Clark to be a true two, um, you know, all they need is one more true point guard to round out this class, and and. It, it just makes life so much easier for them. It, it, it allows other recruits to kind of know, okay, well, either I want to join this or, you know, I, I can announce my intentions right now that I'm not going to be a part of that. So it, 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 just, it just adds so much clarity to the situation to get it locked up. It's a, it's a situation for Kentucky fans that they absolutely love. This is a guy that said, I'm not going to get into the politics of, you know, if I'm going to get enough touches or, you know, if I'm not going to go to this specific school, if uh, Kentucky has, you know, all these – other commitments lined up or that they're still targeting all these guys. He said, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to secure my spot right this second, which, you know, that, that I'm sure that just makes, makes life so much easier for Kentucky fans as well in terms of who they're following and, and who they need to pay attention to. So yeah, it's pr- pretty bit, pretty massive news. I definitely think that this is a perfect marriage or at least 
people that know the situation closer than I do think that this is a perfect marriage between Cal and Terrence's camp as well as they think that it's a perfect marriage between Terrence and Cal in terms of player-coach relationship. I think he's going to be Coach Cal's dream of a combo guard that can do everything on the court. And getting him locked in and him grabbing that one spot of that – because when, when it comes down to it, I don't think they were going to grab more than one elite of the elite guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that includes – I wouldn't say Josh yet, but Jalen and uh, Jalen and Terrence. Yeah, this is a big recruiting win. I said this right right after it happened. I mean, I think when all is said and done, this could be probably Cal one of Cal's biggest recruiting wins ever. Not that it took him, not that it took him a competition to get him, because obviously, apparently, it was a lock for quite some time, and people said it was a done deal, what weeks ago. So I think when all is said and done. If Clark can help lead to a national championship and stats show and then see where he's drafted, I think this will be big for Cal. Yeah, it it just gets fans off of Coach Cal's back for at least mm-hmm. a little while with, with that. Mm-hmm. The monkey off, off of his back in terms of not being able to lock up a top five kid. This is, you know, we, we talked about how Scal in 2015 was the very last – top five recruit to commit to Kentucky um he's gotten Kentucky's gotten plenty of top 10 kids you know the highest ranked was De'Aaron Fox number six I believe um you know Bam Adebayo is top 10 Malik Monk was top 10 um you know you just go down the list and and they they've gotten those those six to ten guys but in terms of top five superstar talents they have not been able to do that as as of yet you know over the last four four seasons so to get get this done so early lock that up and and allow them to focus their efforts el- elsewhere um get get that monkey off their back and 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 just be able to move on massive massive news um in terms of his ranking uh, when he reclassified to 2020 um, both 24-7 and Rivals quickly put him at number four overall. And we had talked about, you know, the Jalen or Terrence, Terrence or Jalen, who's who's better. You know, we, we, like they're interchangeable. we kind of came to the consensus that Terrence was, you know, just slightly slightly ahead of Jalen. Um, both 24-7 and Rivals didn't think that. They both put them right behind, uh, both put Terrence right behind Jalen, um, which, I mean, that's fine. I mean, as, as long as people understand that he is a, a, a top five talent, top five potential kid, um, superstar ability at the college level where, he, you know, he can be that, that perfect wing in a Calipari offense. I mean, pe- people just need to understand that. And then here comes ESPN from, <laughs> from out of nowhere when they updated their latest rankings. They, put, they decided Terrible. to put Terrence Clark at number 13 Terrible. overall. 13. Like at at some point you just can't even make this stuff up. Like everybody talks about how oh the, Kentucky gets a, a a bad rap for for their commits after they commit they their rankings actually go down rather than up. There's kind of this like running joke that Duke guys always get the Duke bump upward and then there's the Kentucky guys get a Kentucky bump downward. Maybe that's just Kentucky fans griping for no reason. I don't know, but that it's... that narrative's out there at least. And in this instance, ESPN decided to put him not only behind Jalen, but behind Josh Christopher, put him behind uh, B.J. Boston even, the K- Kentucky commit that most people assume was, was – 
not even I mean they're in the same ballpark as is Terrence Clark and he's he's going to be a star talent at Kentucky. I'm a big fan of his game, but everybody and their mother kind of assumed that that Terrence was the better of the two, and they decided to put him four spots below B.J. Boston um, at number thirteen. Ridiculous. Two things: one, ESPN's garbage has been in basketball and football recruiting. Tell us how you really feel there, Travis. Trash. <laughs> uh, number two, Eric Bossy said on Rivals. On Cats Illustrated, he said, end of the day, I think Green has some untapped potential as a playmaker in pick and roll, scores a little bit more effortlessly, and has a level of explosiveness in transition that puts him slightly ahead of Clark for me. But he said it's a six on one, half dozen the other. Well, trying to compare the two. Yeah, exactly what we I mean. Yeah, that, definitely that, interchangeable. That's, that's exactly what we thought. But Thirteen. Geez. We we both. I mean, all all three of us decided over the last two weeks that as a long term prospect, and as a long term term NBA prospect Jalen Green's probably ha- he oh, probably yeah. has the higher ceiling I mean I think that's fair I don't think that's you know I think that Jalen Green has the highest potential of anybody in this class he is a an NBA superstar in the making but in terms of the, they put these rankings out for what they are going to produce not only what they're producing right now at the high school level but what they think that they are going to do at the college level net next year yes there's some potential that comes in with with the nba and and that that bumps their stock always i mean look at scalabissia and he was the number one player in the country because everybody thought he was going to be an nba superstar not necessarily that he was going to be a rock star at the college level but um yeah it there, there's no way you can stand behind this this ESPN ranking at number 13. That is that is just embarrassing. Um, maybe six. I could see them dropping him to six, maybe five at, at the lowest. But to put him all the way at 13 just shows that you're you're not watching his game closely enough um, to to see the guards in front of him at at that position. It's it's just obvious that that they aren't watching closely enough if if they're if they're going to put those rankings out in that that way. Um, but off of my soapbox there. Um, so disrespectful. Yeah. That's it's, so disrespectful. It's, you know, you you don't want to be that guy and just be like, oh, just because he committed to Kentucky. He went, but, like, at some point, you're just like, dude. You, he's proved it. I mean, he's proved it. Terrence is superstar potential. Like, everybody everybody that watched him, even, yes, he has a lot of work to do with his jump shot. He's a, he's a streaky shooter. At some point, he's going to be – he's going to – he's the type – he's kind of like Malik Monk where he could hit five or six in a row and just start lighting the scoreboard up, but he can also miss his next five or next six. He's a little streaky, needs to hone in on that, but the mechanics are there. Uh, he needs to tighten his handle a little bit. You know, he's a bouncy, fluid type player, and, and you know, he'll, he'll – probably rack up a few turnovers and all that but but you just can't put him all the way down at 13 he he's he is not a polished complete product but he is about as polished and and complete as you can get for at the college level um especially as a 2021 reclassification candidate for that the reason why people are so impressed with him is because of how polished he is at the in the class of 2021 and people watching him going this dude has no business being in, in, in high school for another two years so um, moving on from him, great, great Kentucky commit. You know, we're, we're very happy to have him, um, all that good stuff. But with Terrence Clark coming in means Jalen Green is headed out. Uh, the 2020 five-star guard um, and the Kentucky coaching staff officially decided to mutually part ways this, week, this weekend. Um, I talked to Jalen's father on – a bunch last week, you know, kind of during the fall recruiting period, the opening of the fall recruiting period, and just, you know, the the lack of Kentucky contact. How he had been, he had reached out with texts and phone calls, and and how they weren't 
they weren't being, um, you know, very responsive with that. Um, you know, they went out west and visited some other some of their other top targets. Jalen Green never got a visit, and on Sunday, um, Jalen Green Jalen Green's dad told me that they um, he he called a Kentucky um, a member of the Kentucky coaching staff, and they opted to officially mutually part ways. Um, now, Jake was kind of the very first person to officially announce this and say that that Jalen is cutting Kentucky. Not necessarily that he was cutting Kentucky, but that he was going to be 100% focused on Memphis and Oregon moving forward and that Kentucky was was no longer a uh, likely landing spot for him. And when he told, or I guess Tipton, was it Tipton Edits that put that out? Tipton posted it and then credited me. He put, he credited Jake um, and then Jalen decides to go on his Instagram feed and basically say <laughs> fake news, basically say I'm, I'm not focused on Memphis and, and Oregon. Um, and this happened last Friday, was it? Um, no, yeah. it was Saturday. It was Saturday, Saturday. because it was, yep. af- it was after – Terrence. After Terrence committed, Terrence put up a post that, ba- dream, that basically said, "Dream class." That basically said, "My dream class," and it was Josh and Jalen both joining BJ and Terrence at Kentucky next year. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, fans went wild. I mean, it's four top ten level talents. Of course, everybody, you know, the arguably the top four guards in the nation. Nobody's gonna, you know, of course, everybody's gonna go crazy over that. Um, but then Jalen put that up, and that kind of added to the "oh, maybe Kentucky's uh, that that secret threat uh, more than more than people are leading on." And uh, then when you put that out there, Pete, you know, Jalen got a little upset, and you got a little criticism for that. And I am giving you this platform to kind of you know talk my talk, t- talk talk your talk, pat yourself on the back a little bit. You know, have you have your little victory lap because you were spot on with that. Kentucky was 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 it was very evident that a mutual breakup was on the horizon, and and you were the first person to call it like it was out on a public level. Um, right when I heard it, and it came from someone reliable, someone very not I wouldn't say super close to Jalen, but someone that is behind the scenes with Jalen. And right when I heard it, I'm like, okay, like let's see what Terrence does. And because I heard about it during the week before Terrence's announcement, so I was like, you know what, like let's wait and see what Terrence does. Because you posted about the Duke rumbling, so I was like, all right, I, we really need to like wait on this for real. So I waited, and then Terrence announced it. So then I put it out because I got the go. I was, they were like, yes, like put this out, blah blah blah. And then Jalen says fake news, but I did get a lot of criticism. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I had the same response for all the people that were criticizing me. I said, it's fake until it happens. And then next day it happens. I mean, it just, it made the most sense because if Terrence is there, why, why Jalen, why would Jalen go? And it's not even necessarily that, that he's focusing on Oregon and Memphis. Those are the top two right now. Like Auburn, Auburn is still involved, but he's not, he's not going to end up at Auburn. Yeah. And then I'm hearing UCLA is still involved. And, and there's been some scuttlebutt about a possible Duke. Duke. Yep. I don't think he'll end up there, but could you? Do UK fans will be in shambles yep. if he even visits there? So when I talked to Jalen Green's father last week, he said, "I guess it was it was the week before." Um, he told me that Duke had not reached out one time during his entire recruitment, but he said, "But you know, this recruitment's wide open. If if they want to get involved right now, I mean, you know, we're not going to tell them no. You know, if if 
we still have that. I asked him, okay, why why not schedule all five official visits when it's pretty obvious what schools are kind of in the mix for him? And he said, I'm holding out for for not one school in particular, but said in case Duke calls, in case Kansas calls, in case some a, a school like that calls and really ups their interest um, before he he makes that commitment on 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 Christmas. Basically, um, just just make sure that they know that that they are more open than people people believe, and that if Duke were to get involved really really quickly and 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 push for a visit and say, hey man, we want you to be the headliner of this class with Jalen Johnson. Uh, we have we have a pretty pretty awesome class coming in. You know, we could potentially get Jonathan Kaminga to come in, and then you could have a headlining class of Jalen Johnson, Jalen Green, and. and Jonathan Kaminga, holy crap, that'd be that'd be massive. You know that that's something that would be would be enticing. But at the end of the day, um, I do think that Oregon is probably the leader right now. Um, after after some conversations with the dad and and some some other people close to him, um, I do think that people are not giving Oregon enough credit. They have done a heck of a job. They had a, a heck of an official visit last weekend um, to to Oregon and and they are a legitimate option as much as people think that Memphis has been locked up and has been for a long time. I do think that Memphis is a, a very serious threat, but I think it's one and two Oregon, Oregon and Memphis, and then kind of everybody else right now. Um, I actually, we've heard a lot about the possible pairings with Jalen green and whoever, but I mean, I think a very underrated pairing is Jalen green and Scotty Barnes. Um, and yeah. I don't know where Josh Christopher stands in this because I've heard some Josh Oregon talk, but I think the most realistic and I'm hearing a lot in Amari Burnett too. But the Memphis that'd got be involved. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But I think that after the Oregon visit, I I like Jalen's chances of landing there with Scotty Barnes. Dude, they would be nasty those two together. Oh uh, yeah, I definitely think Oregon leads after mm-hmm. what Jack said. Jalen's dad said and things I've heard, but I also think there's a strong, strong possibility that overseas could up the ante <laughs> and try and come in last minute. So here's the thing. I, after kind of feeling this thing out and, and kind of understanding, I do think that there is not necessarily a dollar figure in mind, but the conversations with overseas has happened. Absolutely. Like they have talked to teams overseas but as of right now, the offers are nowhere near good enough. And I do genuinely wholeheartedly believe that if for if in the next year or so a team offered a specific dollar number or to a certain threshold, they would jump on that and he would end up overseas. So I would not be shocked if he commits on commits to Oregon on Christmas or commits to Memphis on Christmas or whatever. And in the spring, he ultimately opts to um, sign overseas and, and, and play for a year. I don't know if we talked about it yet. I don't know if it's been mentioned, but I'll just go ahead and say that this was 100% UK's breakup. This was not mutual. This was UK's call. Jalen wanted to continue being recruited by Kentucky, and Kentucky pretty much was like, thanks but no thanks. Oh, um, this has to do with the overseas. I think a a good option – this is not irrelevant, but I think a good option for him would be the Philippines. Yeah. I don't know what they got going there, but I think if he gets the right dollar amount, like you said, 
and a good spot like the Philippines because he's a legend there. Yeah, like, yeah. His his mother is it half Filipino or is, is or yeah. it, a strong? There's ties. There there are strong yeah strong strong ties in the Philippines. Um, they like you said they love him there. That I mean that would be a good they a, a, a pretty good match. Jalen plays plays there every. I'm not sure if it's summer or towards the middle of the year, but Jalen plays there every year and. One, they show a lot of love, and two, he competes against, I don't know if it's pros, but it's weird there the way they do it. I'm not sure if college players are paid there. I don't know how it works. but High-level talent, at least. Apparently, high-level talent there gets good money because I know people that either played with Jalen there or know the situation there. and So that's just something to look out Did for. Did LaMelo play there for a little bit? Philippi- he played in Lithuania. Lithuania, Lithuania. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, Philippines is an option. Um, I have heard that playing for the New Zealand Breakers is an option. Playing playing in Australia, even if it's not with the news with with the Breakers, playing in the in that NBL league um, is on the table. Um, RJ Hampton has been all the way in on on pushing him there. Um, but yeah, and and to to bring up yeah to to bring up Travis's point in, in terms of Kentucky's Kentucky's side of things. Kentucky has always seen him as their top option for this class until Terrence Clark decided to reclassify and and kind of change the scene of everything. They're, they had this dream scenario for a long time of, of bringing in Josh and Jalen to be the headlining guards of the class, maybe bring in a guard to match with, with a – a true point guard or, or maybe just a junior manual quickly to run the show with Josh at the two, Jalen at the three, and then BJ at the four, um, run, get back to the dribble drive offense, stuff like that. Um, but then Terrence Clark came in the situation. And from my understanding, it's one of those, you know, one in the hands worth, worth two in the bush. You know, the, you're not going to put, potentially turn, you're not going to turn down Terrence Clark's commitment um, in order to potentially go after both Jalen and Josh, um, the 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 way Kentucky saw it was basically this this Terrence Clark kid wants to commit right now. He is a top five talent. We think he has superstar potential. Get him locked up right now and reclassified to 2020, um, and then just kind of figure it out later. You have two superstar talent guards um, to work with, and now all you got to do is add in, in one more true point guard or another combo guard and say, uh, Kate Cunningham or, uh, a Devin Askew, something like that. Um, it's, it's just one of those situations that you cannot turn that down. And Jalen Green's dad did tell me that, that they were open to the idea of playing with Terrence Clark. Um, that being said, I do not think that they were in love with the idea of Josh Christopher running the one, um, as a ball dominant type guy, um, I, I think Jalen's Jalen's dad kind of had the sense that he's he is more pass first than than he is score first. Um, felt that that he would be better better off as the as the lead guard at, at Kentucky with Terrence Clark at the two. And I just don't think that Kentucky saw it that way. They saw him more as as an off ball talent and, and putting that. And, and at the end of the day, they just decided that Terrence Clark and Jalen Green are too interchangeable. Jalen would like to be the star of the show, and at this point, he would not be the star of star of the show at Kentucky. Um, they just they just decided that that uh, it was not a it was not the right match, and ultimately decided that a mutual breakup was necessary. At the end of the day, it's, it's my thinking too that Cal Perry's quote about the we're not going to be a hat, just a hat on the table applies 
directly to Jalen and his recruitment. What are your all's thoughts on that? So the the quote itself is um, the quote was the guys the guys being recruits. The recruits that come in and say, it's all about me, I don't need to be coached, play a 2-3 zone, I'm good. Uh, he said, hey, in the process of recruiting, they just don't come here. Or we figure out who those guys are during the recruiting process, and we kind of shy away. What shying away means is that we just don't call as much. We don't see them as much. I'm not trying to ke- tell a kid, uh, well, we don't think he's any good. No. We just see it. I just t- um, I just tell my staff that we can't be recruited we're supposed to be the ones recruiting which means that we've got to get the information that information being whether they're you know selfish or whatever whatever the case may be uh you need us to be at a a hat on the table and you're spending my time and money well the school's money for me to travel to see a kid that just wants us to be a hat on the table so basically you never really are serious about making this a legitimate thing or you would commit already if, if you know if we're pushing for a commitment and, and doing all that and, and you're still playing the recruiting games and uh, not leading on that they have a legitimate shot at the end of the day they're just going to to ultimately break up and and say well we're we're going to cut our ties and, and focus our time and resources elsewhere so to Travis's point Jake do you think that that directly correlated with Jalen Green you could say that, but, I mean, it could also be a general statement. But I bet there was a little shade thrown at Jalen there. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I mean, the timing itself worked out yeah, the, almost nope. too closely. because So this, this roundtable discussion happened. Uh, so we put it out this past Sunday. So it was a week. It, it was over a week ago. So it was last Sunday. Um, and then so it was the after the Eastern Michigan game in football. So, so that Sunday. Um, that – Immediately after that, that following Monday was the opening of the fall recruiting period. And who did Calipari go see? Cade Cunningham, Terrence Clark, Devin Askew. He went to, I mean, he went out west to go see some of his guys and minimal contact with Jalen Green. His father said that he had been reaching out, calling, texting, and, and was, was having trouble getting, getting responses back. So I'm not saying. I'm just saying the quote, what shying away means is that we don't call as much, we don't see them as much. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't get more, more spot on with that quote than how that, that exactly unfolded. Um, I don't think that – I think Jalen Green's dad and, and their camp kind of gets a bad rap for, for playing games and, and, you know, manipulating the media and, and doing stuff like that. And, and I – I don't see a lot of that. I think he is genuine. I think he just wants what's best for his kid. And, and um, you know, he's he is a supportive dad. He's in the stands, you know, cheering, you know, screaming and yelling. You know, he, he is just as involved as, as as you could possibly want out of, out of him. Um, but I do think that there was a, a slight a slight hint of um, we don't we don't want to to be strung along with this recruitment. We don't want to tie all of our resources up when, when at the end of the day, we really don't think that he's going to end up in Kentucky. Um, or at least he's, he's saying all the right things. You know, I, he was very outspoken that Kentucky was one of his, his favorite schools growing up and that he, he was, you know, emotional when he got that offer from Kentucky and that he really appreciated Joel justice flying across the country to see him in Greece. And, and, you know, all, all of that stuff combined, I do think that there was genuine interest on, on Jalen Green's end. I do think that if they pursued, if Terrence Clark hadn't committed and they had pursued him, 
you know, all, all out and, and tried to, you know, tried to secure a commitment on, on Christmas, I think they could have gotten it. Um, but at the end of the day, when, when Terrence Clark committed, they just didn't have the time to play, play the games and, and all that stuff. And, and it just became time for a breakup. Um, with, with green out of the picture now, um, what what does this mean for for the guard position moving forward? Do you guys think? Um, I mean the Devin Askew news came out. I don't know if it's in relation to that, but I think there's a good chance he reclassifies, and we'll probably touch on that later. But the timing of that is weird, and he's one of the top at his position. I think if he reclassifies, we know all the BS with how the rankings work, but I think he'll instantly be one of the best in his position and. Then you look at all the other options they have, Cade Cunningham and whatnot. I think Cade Cunningham, there's a lot of UNC talk there, but I wouldn't count out UK there because we said this last week. I don't think Cal would still be going after him if they didn't think they had a realistic shot. My thought is the absolute worst point guard you're going to end up with that season and very well could be a great point guard by that time is a junior Emmanuel Quickly. He's not an NBA guy. He's not going to leave after this season. And – Recruiting-wise, the Devin Askew news just came out. I think he's leaning UofL as of right now. Mm-hmm. I won't, I won't put too much stock into that. UK, it's certainly UK and UofL. But if I'm Cal, I know I've got Junior Manuel quickly in the bag, and I'm treating Kay Cunningham like he's Jesus Christ, and going all in, everything I've got with him. Hey, who do you want? Who do you want to play with? Like, what kind of toilet paper do you like? I, it, doesn't, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like, give him whatever he wants. The uh, and then I guess, like, out left field, you could start pursuing, like, the Canadian uh, point guard, Kareem Maine, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So, he's got he's got options left. You know, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious that Kentucky's set on a group of three. They they have set on Cade Cunningham as their top priority. And like you said, to have that crutch of Emmanuel quickly, a junior Emmanuel quickly. And, you know, shoot, I, I don't expect him to be a, a – a, leave after this year but there have been a lot of rumblings that he's been one of the best players on the team he's had a phenomenal summer they have the 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 program has very very high expectations for him um you never know how that's going to unfold but i do agree that he does feel like a three or four year player and to have that kind of in your back pocket as you're recruiting kind of gives you that flexibility and that kind of that uh that loose mindset you you're not playing desperate you're playing like you can go all in on a guy like Cade Cunningham where you go you know what yeah he's probably leaning you you know UNC and Oklahoma State are 1A 1B right now but as the number 3 school you can go in like you said you just recruit him as hard as you could possibly recruit um knowing that even if you miss out you're not screwed because you still have a manual quickly and even in that case if if say you know, Cade tells him behind the tape, um, behind the scenes, dude, I'm going to decide between North Carolina and Oklahoma State. Sorry, you know, I appreciate your efforts. Then you have Devin Askew in your back pocket, where you don't uh, slow play him though. You don't want you don't want to get into the slow play game because that's burnt Cal too many times the past couple of classes. Yeah, and and it, it kind of I mean that does draw an inter- interesting question. If Devin Askew is willing to commit right now, do you take his commitment? Um, I love risking what if risk, risking Cade Cunningham being gone, but at least they have that flexibility to be able to do that because of Emmanuel quickly. And then you know I I believe that the priority list is Cade Cunningham number one, and then Dave, Devin Askew and Josh Christopher two A and two B. And absolutely worst case too, as a backup point guard, you got 
Um, you got Terrence Clark in the bag too. He's he can be a secondary ball handler. He's got great handles for a guy his size. It's not ideal, but once again, he can be like a Tyreek Evans big guard. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's really a scenario here where you could lose. I mean, you got the guys you want. Or I think Clark is really the guy that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cade Cunningham. They wanted. The they wanted the superstar headliner. They wanted. They wanted that star wing. You, do you remember back in the day when Kentucky just couldn't land a star wing to save their life? Yeah, they could either get they could get the star point guards and the star big man. And now, it's and wings now and Kentucky can bigs. only land elite wings, and now they're struggling to get you bigs know elite point. But yes, that that is that's a very good point. Yeah. See, my thing is Jared Pulse could could run this team with the playmakers that are on the wings, and yeah. scores, and you, you don't need a top. It's, it would be nice to land Cade, but you don't need Cade to get to the Final Four championship with this roster. Yeah, and, and you know we can kind of we're, we're talking about him right now anyway, so we might as well we'll jump into his his recruitment and all that. Um, Kentucky made headlines by going to visit Cade on Monday afternoon with with uh, his family. Went went to go visit his family and, and trainer uh, in Arlington in Arlington, Texas, just a week after seeing. Cade himself at Montverde um, with with Scotty Barnes and and you know while during the they were the Cade was the very first recruit that Kentucky went to go see. If you're John Calipari, you're not wasting the very first day of week one of the fall recruiting period and week two of the fall recruiting period going after Cade Cunningham. If you think that there's a zero percent chance that he's landing there, well, yeah. that's my argument. Well, and right after the comments he made about being a hat on the table and then. Backing that That's up with. a great point. That's a great point because Calipari is open about who he's recruiting. He wants to be serious about this. Um, I remember um, when when Cade Cade's brother was originally hired at Oklahoma State. There were so many rumblings that you know he 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 and he came out in the very first media opportunity that he had and said, uh, "I still want coaches to recruit me and and uh, I want I want." You know, schools that still show me the love and and all that stuff. And at the time, it was like, okay, that's garbage. Like, it it it'd be a waste of time and, and resources for you to do that. And if there was a guy, you know, not outside of what we already know about Jalen Green, if there was a guy to be a hat on the table, it felt a whole lot like Cade Cunningham. And sure enough, the very first person he saw right afterward was Cade. Very first person, first family he saw this week was was Kate was Kate's family. So, when you factor all that stuff in, I personally think that he's going to land at either UNC or Oklahoma State right now. But man, Calipari knows something that we all don't because he is not he he's way too smart. He is way too good at what he does. He's been doing this for way too long to know when he doesn't have a shot. And if he thinks that he can be that third dark horse guy that that you know I I do believe that he'll end up making a decision this um, this fall um, if he can be that guy you know and 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 possibly secure his commitment I mean the the opportunity to have Cade Cunningham at the one Terrence Clark at the two and B J Boston at the three is it's just I mean that's that's the absolute dream we talked about this last week. The, the pie in the sky for – That's for, the cake in the lake right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pie in the sky was Josh and Jalen. The cake in the lake is Cade and Terrence. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's obviously very interesting. Um, but then, as we mentioned before, Devin Askew announces yesterday that he is about ready to make a commitment – um, he posted on his Instagram page that that a, a commit was commitment was coming. Be on the lookout for uh, news on that. 
And then a little bit later, Evan Daniels came out and said that uh, he had talked to his father and said that he's planning on taking his visits uh, before the announcement, which I think that if he, you know, I believe Penny Hardaway visited him on Monday. Mm -hmm. Or was it two? I think Chris Mack visited him on Monday. Chris Mack was Monday morning. Um, Sean Miller was there. Um, and then the week before that was Cal and assistant from the top assistant from Villanova since Jay Wright was overseas with USA. But wasn't Penny in yesterday? Yes, or Penny or? was in this week, and then they finalized that visit date for him to get there from Memphis Madness. So, yeah, so he says that I, I believe that if a commit, commitment were coming this week or something, it would be silly to count out anybody but L I mean, L's been around the longest. We've talked about him in the past that Chris Mack has done a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal job making sure that this kid feels prioritized. But at the same time, they are offering everybody and their mother right now. They have Caleb Love. Uh, they have a visit with Jay Scrub. They, they um, have that lined up. They have a lot of guard targets. I do believe that Devin Askew is their number one overall priority. I agree. But – it is kind of weird that immediately after this news came out that, that a commitment was coming, they I, I believe there was more news that Chris Mack was in a CJ scrub and, and, and that they're still doing all that stuff. So mm-hmm. J- Mack didn't make it to J scrub. He had, he's rescheduling. He's supposed to get there Thursday. Oh, okay. But the, the first, the first person he saw Monday was Devin Askew. And I think an assistant saw Askew last week, but Mack was spotted in the Cincinnati airport at like 5 a.m. on Monday, someone told me, going straight to Dev. <laughs> so it, it's still important to to factor in that can, that that Louisville still feels a need. You know, maybe they're dreaming of, of getting two or three of these, these guys and, and doing all that, but they are still actively going out recruiting, re- recruiting some of these other top guard options. When does Avon Smith announce? Davon Smith doesn't have an announcement date, but can I touch upon what you said? Do it, do it. I feel like the class that they got last year, the the Super 6 class that they got last year, was more wing and big man heavy. Like, there's not, like, a star guard Mm -hmm. that came out of that class. And last year they were so focused on that position. And I think this year they've – Coach Max obviously put more of emphasis on guards and wings like Josh Hall, Scrub, Love, Stewart. Like, you didn't really see that many big man targets. And, like, a majority of their big man targets are already coming off the board. And and Stewart is, is now – A Duke lock. He's, he's pretty much a Duke lock at this point. So, it does make a lot more sense that, that they are at least prioritizing two – Two guys, you know, they they probably need to secure signatures from from at least two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it does make sense that they're at least doing that. But it it is it is still interesting on on Devin's side that he's he's still planning on taking these visits. That he they had come out and said that they are planning on taking a visit to Kentucky here in the coming months. Um, I would I wouldn't be shocked if it's for Big Blue Madness sometime in in October, uh, early early November at the very latest. But a visit is happening. Um, and at that point, when you have you know um, two month two full months or I guess a month and a half at least um, before a a commitment happens, you never know what's going to happen. You never know if things change with Cade Cunningham and and how he starts training the other way or starts training Kentucky's way, um, and then your 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 hand is forced to go all in on on Devin or or Josh or or what have you. But those those options are still on the table. Josh Christopher. Um, we kind of hinted at a, a little bit in the past that they were kind of going hand in hand with with Jalen Green's camp, um, but Jalen Green's dad kind of told me that that talk has 
it was it was serious, but it was a little bit overstated about how they were kind of a lock to go to whatever school, whatever school one of them was. They were going with one. Uh, they were both going in. Um, he wanted to clarify that they're still they're on their own separate paths, and you know Jalen could go to Memphis or Oregon, and Josh could end end up at Arizona State and or Kentucky or, or whatever. Uh, I do think that Arizona State's still a major major threat. I think mm-hmm. UCLA is a very 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 major threat. He's all over social media all the time about how he's always in the gym at, at UCLA, you know, working out with Sharif O'Neal and all that stuff. Um, but I do think that Kentucky is still. Sending their feelers out, I do think there was there were some rumblings that a visit may have happened quietly behind mm-hmm. the scenes um, out west tr- to try to avoid the the confrontation with Jalen Green's camp. To you know, you're you're in my city, but you're not going to come visit my son. That kind that kind of mentality. Um, but I, I'm I can't confirm that at all. There's just there's just rumblings about that. But I do think that contact is still keeping up. I do think that Josh Christopher's camp is is still very high on Kentucky and and. There is a scenario that I could see uh, Josh being a, a one, or you know Terrence being the two, BJ at the three, or, or at least just kind of what we talked about on the very first episode, where where Calipari's wanting to go to this, just grab the ball and go. Doesn't matter who has it, you know they're, they're versatile enough to you know positionless basketball. They can all they can all be a primary ball handler. They you know they they all have that flexibility and the talent to do that. So I wouldn't be shocked if they if they end up doing it that way. Um, so moving on to the front court, at least, um, the, it's kind of tying, tying together with, with the back, with the back court a little bit, but, um, the, the front court, at least on Tuesday, uh, 2020 five-star forward Dawson Garcia cut his list to seven, leaving Kentucky off of his list. Um, he was a guy who essentially begged for an offer from UK in June, said that he was excited to have, uh, the Kentucky coaching staff watch him during the live period in July instead of instead he got sick missed the majority of his games with D1 Minnesota um, and and UK really never got the chance to take a closer closer look and ultimately no offer um, but what does make that really interesting um, is that he had said in the past that he was wide open said that he would wait till the spring said that schools could come in late and and that he was he wasn't in a rush to cut his list, um, and that he was going to let schools come in about as late as 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 they wanted. I mean, obviously not right before he was ready to commit, make a commitment, but where he was going to he was going to give them time to to get in there. And he still decided to cut Kentucky from his list, even though he said that he was really high on him and, and all that stuff. So it kind of begs the question to me: do do they feel confident enough elsewhere to where they were able to to cut? Where they kind of were able to cut ties with Dar- Dawson Garcia, um, you know what? What do you do? You, do you have any scent feel on that? Either of you guys? I think, I think that he's kind of more of a backup option. Um, the fact that they probably know that he'll be announcing in the spring, and I've said this. This has been a trend with recruits lately that a recruitment's not over till it's over. So you could get ag- any school could get added to any list at any time. And even if you're committed and the school feels you're not fully committed, they'll still reach out to you. So I think this is a case where he'll be more as a backup option for UK, knowing he's announcing in the spring. If they don't land any of these marquee talents in the next few months, hey, hey we could go to Dawson. He's still around, available, wide open, and whatnot. I think Kentucky's already locked in their second or third big in this class with Lance Ware. So I, I think him and Dawson would have been interchangeable with that second or third spot. I think that they'll go after possibly J.J. Trainers, that 
as that third, maybe fourth big, depending on how many they want to take. Cliff, Amarui could be that third or fourth big. And then the the other bigs would be Isaiah Todd, Paolo, Greg Brown, and then try to get one or two of them. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a need for Dawson Garcia. I'd say that yeah, Kentucky kind of caught, cut bait with that. Yeah. Um, there's been, Isaiah Jackson was another one of those guys that, that – Kentucky had a yeah, lot of buzz, him. a lot of buzz with. Took an official visit to Lexington. Things went really, really well. Um, and I believe Jake, you were the one last week who said that yeah, Kentucky might be the leader right now, but watch out for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama has a lot of buzz right now. They're going all in on his recruitment. They were, they've been all over him to start the uh, fall recruiting period. Um, and it's definitely looking like it's going to come down to Kentucky and and Alabama for him right now. I think that I'm. Forgetting what I said last week, I think Alabama is the favorite. Like, forget how I said, yeah, UK's the leader, whatever, whatever. But I think Alabama is new, the new leader. Um, Nate Oates met with his family on Saturday. And then right after that, they got an official visit planned. It was originally planned for October, and they actually now moved it up to, I think it's this upcoming weekend. And that's pretty significant, moving a visit date up. So I think once that visit's over, I, I'll i put them all in Nate's Oates. Yeah. Nate and, Oates' favor. And, and – kind of going hand in hand with that as the Isaiah Jackson's buzz went kind of has been starting the momentum is kind of starting to shift toward Alabama uh Cliff Omarui gets a visit from Tony Barbie this week um which is pretty significant news because Kentucky really hadn't had much public contact after the offer they yeah they they offered they had been watching him at all the all the big events um but really public contact had been minimal at best over the last several several weeks I mean dating back you know several months honestly um so that aspect is pretty interesting that that that's still on the table. There was a there was a time I think as early as last week that I thought that you know he'd been visiting you know Pittsburgh, UConn. He is you know the, those those level schools um, on his list, and and he's he's highly interested in those guys. And I just kind of I just I thought it would be a numbers game at the end of the day. While as much as and I, I even mentioned if Kentucky had gone all in on on him, I do think that he would have ended up at Kentucky because he grew up like I told you he he cried when he got a UK offer, very emotional. Um, he's a big fan of the Kentucky program, but at the end of the day, it has to be mutual interest. And at least with this news, it shows that 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 interest is still there and and that they're still sending out feelers and and trying to figure out that whole situation. Um, but the biggest aspect the biggest news of this week um is the fact that Jonathan Kaminga got a visit from John Calipari um you know the number one prospect in the class of 2021 who's a major reclassification candidate most people assume that he is a duke lock what what do you guys make of of the fact that Kentucky's still going going after him even though most people kind of assume that he's he's all all but a lock to duke same thing that we've been saying about Calipari. If he doesn't believe he has a, a chance for someone, why waste his time? And I think it's the same scenario here. But I think he's still Duke Lock. I don't know. This visit's obviously significant because I don't think he'd waste his time. But I think he's still Duke Lock. I think he's too good of a prospect that you don't put out some fillers. Um, I definitely think he's a Duke Lock. But like everybody's always said, don't count out, don't count out John Calipari until it's over. I think he can find – if he can find a crease in this recruitment, he's going to shoot the gap and try to take over. Yeah, and and I I by no no stretch of the imagination think it's it's going to happen that that he ends up 
ends up at, at Kentucky, but and I, I do think that, that he is a about as, as much of a Duke lean, not necessarily lock, but he is he is a strong, strong Duke lean right now. Um, but I kind of went down this rabbit hole with with Kaminga and kind of I kind of put together the, the puzzle pieces of okay, why why is Calipari using you know like we just talked about why why does he want to just be a hat on the table with with this kid if he is so much of a duke lock so I put, went down this rabbit hole and kind of just kind of just thought okay let me let me think of this from 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 John Calipari's perspective first I came up with with the Terrence Clark connection they've been friends for a really really long time they have um, played in the same you know they're both from the northeast they've they've been in the same same circles for for a while um, they told me in separate media opportunities at Peach Jam that they had talked to one another about forming a super team in college which is pretty pretty significant um, at the time at the time they, they told they they both talked about it they both seemed to be Duke leans with with Terrence Clark more so leaning toward Memphis and Duke at that time. Um, but at least it, if they were going to form a super team, it would be at Duke. Um, but they, they were definitely serious about this, about this talk. Um, and then, you know, when, when that kind of happened, Kentucky kind of ramped up their interest in, in Jalen Green and Josh Christopher. Um, and then there's the Lance Ware connection. Lance Ware played with, with Kaminga on, um, you know, the, the, EYBL circuit and at Peach Jam with the New York Renaissance, um, they played really well together. They had really good chemistry, and then there is the the Patrick School connection, um, in in up in New Jersey. Um, Nick Richards played there. Dakari Johnson played there before going to Montverde. Michael Kidd Gilchrist played there, um, formerly known as as St. Patrick, but it, same school. They they all played at the same place. Um, those within the Patrick School are huge fans of John Calipari and the Kentucky program. Um, and then you look at the, the New Jersey connection with Lance Ware, Khalil Whitney, Isaiah Briscoe, and Carl, Carl Anthony Towns, all from New Jersey. Uh, Calipari, you know, he has a house there. He has connections deep-rooted in that state. Um, and it's definitely something that you at least have to acknowledge. And then you look at um, Cade Cunningham. So, dream scenario. You look at Cade Cunningham first, top priority. You swing for the fences with him, see if you can make up ground. And, and you know, I, I still think it's 1A, 1B with North Carolina and Oklahoma State and with Kentucky in third. But if you think that, um, you know, you can go for it, you shoot for that as your as your top priority. Then you go for a Devin Asu commitment. He played Cunningham really well in the Peach Jam semifinals, proved to be a gamer. He's You know, he doesn't have that superstar name power or, the, or recognition, but he's definitely a baller, could be a lead guard on a championship type championship level team uh then you factor in christopher and see where that fits in but you go for one more headlining guard and then you factor in kaminga for the spring and you say okay you asked for a super team here's your super team you have a star guard you have a star you know two other star wings you can be you know he's a six foot eight 205 210 pound he's built like you know he's super strong such natural physical ability. He could be a small ball four if if need be. Um, but if the way John Calipari is running the system anyway, you know it, it it doesn't really matter about true position. He's a positionless type guy anyway. So all of that being said, I it, it's not likely, but I I understand from John Calipari's perspective at the very least. I understand why he's he's at least he's he has to do his job with this and say okay, here's here here's everything I know. You talked about. 
being having a super team, you talk, you know, you're from that area, you've talked to these kids, you want to team up with them. Here's this, here's this scenario that I'm aligning for you. Do you want to join it or not? If, if, if at the end of the day he decides to go to Duke, whatever, that it's fine. Um, and then say that happens, or say you know, even if it doesn't happen, you get a Devin Askew or, or whatever. Um, then you look at Greg Brown and Isaiah Todd as your you need one. Um, Greg Brown did a Q and A Q&A this this week with Corey Evans. Uh, he said that Kate Cunningham is recruiting him really hard to team up in college. Said he was very much open to it. Love how they work together with the Texas Titans um, during the EYBL regular season and, and at Peach Jam. Um, say, I know Travis. I think last week you said that you would you would look at what Cade had to say and and. And and go forward with with the other recruitments and and do what best fits with what Cade wants. Would this make you lean Greg Brown over Isaiah Todd? Yeah, for sure. That would definitely make me. Uh, I think Brown and Todd are interchangeable at least in college. Todd's got a much higher ceiling, but I think Brown would be fantastic under Kyle Perry and Kenny Payne. What do you think, Jake? I agree. I still think that Isaiah Todd is overseas bound. Oh, really? I mean, and I think now with the fact that UK's visited Cade twice and both at significant times in the recruiting period, week one's first visitor, week two's first visitor, and then you factor in that. When did Greg Brown get a visit? Last Wednesday, right? Last Wednesday, yep. Um, I think Greg Brown is more likely to be UK bound than Isaiah Todd is. And when you factor D- – Despite Cade, I think despite Cade – Even being, if Cade does not go to Kentucky, yes. you still think – so. I was told last night not to sleep on Greg Brown in Kentucky at all. Um, yeah. They think that the platform is too good to pass up for him because he's a guy that – he's a top ten kid, but he needs a platform to be, actually be, a, lottery, be a lottery pick on at the next level. And then Shaka Smart is on the hot seat. Oh, that's that's big news. Yep. The, but they think there's some Memphis buzz, there's some North Carolina buzz, but they think Kentucky has a really, really good shot. Agreed. Yeah, I definitely think that that the the Texas situation is one to watch really, really closely because if they have even a mediocre year, they could they could decide to, to say screw it, we're firing Shaka Smart, and that would throw a wrench into this this whole situation. I also heard that if Cade decides to go to North Carolina, that Isaiah Todd is the one that's probably most likely going to follow him there. But. You know, at the same time, as much as I think Isaiah Todd's Kentucky's favorite front court front court target, if you get a commitment from Greg Brown and go with a Devin Askew or go with a Josh Christopher or go with a you know what whatever the situation is, even a junior Emmanuel Quickly, that is a starting five that I'd put against anybody in the country. I mean, that's that's a superstar level starting five, um, great depth. I mean, that that that's something that Kentucky would. As much as they want Isaiah Todd um, and want Cade Cunningham, I mean that's that's definitely something that would that would make them go. You know what? I wish wish we had him, but at the end of the day, we like we like the guys that we got. Um, we're gonna end this podcast by talking about uh, Barstown's own JJ Trainer. Last week, um, we we actually went out to. Travis and I went out to Bardstown to go see him at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, Travis woke me up and 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 took me out there and and went to go see what what he looked like. Travis, kind of real quick, what did you see out of him and and how do you think he projects at the college level? You definitely see the raw talent. He's definitely got to fill out from a physical uh, perspective. He's 
probably 175 pounds soaking wet. But he's really fluid athlete, more fluid than I thought he would be. He uh, he's got a really nice silky smooth jumper. Whenever he hits one, he's gonna hit the next five or six. It's like a layup to him. Interesting enough, Boo Brewer, the Bardstown head coach, former Louisville Cardinals, said that all of these coaches, all the college coaches, including Louisville and all the other – he didn't mention Kentucky, but he mentioned Louisville, like him as a three-man. I, I never saw that. I still think mm-hmm. he's a stretch four. I think he's comparable to a less developed Scal Libisier, but that's not a bad thing considering Scal was number one overall player and uh, J.J.'s ranked in the 80s. Yeah, I would – I think that comparison is pretty strong, and I, I think the Bard Sound coaches kind of see that as well. I think the Kentucky coaches see it as well. Um, we, in fact, on, on Kentucky's end, we were told last week that Kentucky was going to be in. Um, they couldn't They couldn't work out a specific date, but they are – a visit is still, still happening. Um, could be this week. It, you know, could be next week. It, it just depends on the logistics of them getting out to Bardstown. Um, but yes, a, a visit is absolutely happening from from Kenny Payne, I believe. Um, but yeah, I actually really like that scowl comparison in the best way possible because I know as soon as Kentucky fans hear the word scowl, they you know immediately groan. But you have to factor in that scowl came in with with superstar expectations. He was the number one prospect in the country, and he underwhelmed because he was he was rated wrong. He, I mean, it, it's not the kid's fault for the fact that people had him listed as a number one, you know, a consensus top 10 pick when really he should have probably been a, my, my thinking is if, if he came in with a, a Lance Ware type rating, a number 30 top 40, something like that, then Kentucky fans would go, Oh sweet. You know, th- there wouldn't be pressure on him to, to be a, a one and done. He could have developed in this Kentucky system and probably become a pretty, you know, after that one year when coach Cal realized, Hey, I should, probably shouldn't put him down down low and and have him go against physical bigs. He's a face up four and needs he needs the ball in his hands at, at you know you know twelve fifteen feet out for for jump shots and and he I mean he has a silky silky smooth offensive game. It's just dude was not strong enough down low to to handle some of the elite SEC talent down low. I mean that's the no fault against him if he had multiple years to develop that and and understand that um, he is better better off where where he should have been then you know i think i think the perception of scal at the end of the day would have been a lot better and with this jj trainer kid who is has a very similar game to him and i i do think see him as a stretch four he would have almost no expectations coming into to his kentucky career he could sit at the end of the bench develop get stronger shoot throw a red shirt on him bulk him up whatever you want to do um and and have him be a three or four year player, two or three, you know, three years being being that sweet spot for him, and I think that'd be one heck of a get for for Kentucky. Um, Kentucky fans want the, um, you know, want the in-state kids, and he'd he'd be the perfect perfect one to groom. Um, I, I like his game a lot. I, I like you know you you put it perfectly. He very very smooth, you know, just just perfect mechanics, and, and you know he he's one of those guys that that. It, his 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 muscle memory is there. His every shot looks the exact same. Um, even when he when he tweaks it even a little bit, that's when he misses. Like he he has his shot down. Um, they didn't work with him much at all down low, which means to indi- which indicates to me that he probably struggles a lot down low. So that, I mean, he is going to have to be a face up four. Um, well, his coaches 
had told me previously, like all three, all three of them mentioned the possibility of him needing a red shirt. And after watching him, I've never thought uh, Calipari recruit would ever red shirt. But if you if UK was the offer, which they're coming in to see him this week, uh, we're gonna go back. Me and you are gonna go back and watch that. Um, I think that he is definitely a red shirt candidate. He is really lacking in strength, and that's the one thing SEC bigs are good at. They're strong, big, lanky guys. Yep. Yeah, so you know that zero. He would have such low expectations coming in with in terms of being a, an immediate impact. Nobody would expect him to come in and and you know for, force the issue right away. He could kind of just be groomed and and let him find find his way, and then and then he could he could be a, a high impact guy l- later on down the road. Um, you know, with that, we will wrap up. Uh, why don't you guys tell everyone how to find you on social media and where they can find your work? At Jake Weingarten on Twitter and StockRisers.com. And once again, I'm sorry, CardinalSports.com. That works. Amazing website. That works. Uh, follow me. i uh, got a podcast on Apple Podcast and on Spotify. It's called the Cat Scan Podcast with a power K. We talk about all U.K. sports, football, basketball, and national sporting news. You can follow me on Twitter at Trav underscore Graph, and you can uh, follow my work at Cats Illustrated on Rivals. And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR or via email jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And we will be back next week for another Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.